Volcano Watch. This is a weekly podcast to update you on the volcanic activity of the week. I'm one of your hosts, Alessandro Muzo. And I'm your other host, Corinne Jorgensen. We're PhD students at the University of Geneva. We study volcanoes and are here to give you all the whole volcano news. First, the quick update and then the focus of the week. So, it's February 21st at the time of recording and this is your quick update. So, we'll start in Europe with... Etna, baby! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Etna erupted today, uh, starting off with some small strombolian activity in the morning. But around lunchtime, there were some strong paroxysms with lava fountains reaching over one kilometer in height, as well as a dark ash plume, which reached about 11 kilometers in height. I managed to watch some of it on the live webcams, and it looked absolutely spectacular. Yeah. It was amazing. It we also have a small argument with one friend of ours. And yeah. He was saying that corals are more majestic than Edna. I think this is totally incorrect. <laughs> so, moving to Asia, there was explosive activity from Sakurajima in Japan, Suanosajima, uh, Ibu, Simaru, and Yasur. There was a raise in the aviation color code for Sengeng Api in the Flora Sea in Indonesia by the Volcanic Ash Advisory Center, uh, which raised from yellow to orange following some erected activity in the volcano on February 17th. The last time this volcano erupted was in June of 2020. Uh-huh. Hoba in Vanuatu still has its two-kilometer exclusion zone uh, imposed, which has been extending to areas around the surrounding uh, waterways due to torrential rains. The volcano continues its explosive activity with steam and ash emission uh, from Lake Fowey, and phreatomagmatic eruptions are a big risk for this area, hence uh, the exclusion zone. Moving to the Americas, it was a tight race for the American tallest plume winner this week. Not for the global plume, Etna won that. Yes, yes, Alessandro, we know, we know, you love my man, etc., etc. Anyways, it looked like Senge was going to win all week with a 7.6 kilometer plume. And Simon Kaya only had a 7.0 kilometer plume. And I was like, Senge is for sure going to win. And then when I checked the news today, just a few hours ago, boom, Simon Kaya pulled off a 7.6 to tie with Senge. Yeah, this is typical Typical, typical seven. <laughs> but I'm sorry, Sabakaya. Edna did an 11. That's okay, true. That's I true. will stop with them. <laughs> of course, the rest of the Americas have been busy with business as usual from Nevado de Ruiz in Colombia, Reventador in Ecuador, Turrialba in Costa Rica, Nevado de Chelan in central Chile, which also had a small pumice and ash flow and a gravity driven by partial collapse of the eruption column on February 13th, which reached about 1.8 kilometers away. After a month of calm, Popocatopetl is back in the game with an eruption on February 17th. At Wolf Volcano at the Galapagos Islands, Ecuador, if the effusive eruption has continued again this week, there's some lower discharge rate than what we were seeing in January, but the satellite imagery is still showing showing a very high thermal anomaly. Lastly, uh, Fuego had a busy week with an increase in the seismic amplitude, strombolian activity, frequency and intensity. The lava flow on the south-southwest increased in length, uh, up to 200 meters long now. On occasion, the flow front collapses and causes uh, incandescent avalanches into the Senza and Trinidad uh, ravine. Anyways, that's it for this week. As always, thanks to our sources, VolcanoDiscovery.com and the Smithsonian Global Volcanism Program for all the amazing volcano information we get from them to do these updates. <laughs> yeah, so now it's time for the focus. Now it's time for the focus. focus, focus. 
So for the focus of today, we are going to have a very special guest, Emma Horn. So hi, Emma, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So do, do you want to introduce a little bit yourself and tell us a little bit about your research? Okay. I am a fourth year PhD student from the University of Southampton. Uh, I'm in the geochemistry research group. Uh, and my main focus of my study is looking at um, cumulates from Tenerife. Mm -hmm. And I look into the petrology, so the mineral compositions of the cumulates and the compositions of the melts that are also in these cumulates. Very nice. So what is a cumulate and which information can provide us to better understand the pre-erative condition of our mathematics system? Good question. Um, so a cumulate are a mixture of uh, minerals, which are essentially crystals, mm -hmm. large crystals, um, that can be, that make up a rock, essentially. Okay. Um, igneous rocks are all made up of crystals. Um, cumulates are special because these crystals formed deep within the volcano. They formed over a long period of time. So mm -hmm. they are quite large in size compared to, say, crystals from a lava flow, yep. which are quite small because they didn't take long to form comparatively. So I look at big crystals that are formed deep in the volcano plumbing system. Yeah, that sounds the dreams of every petrology is yeah. like a huge crystal. Yeah, huge crystals. They're very fresh. They're very easy to measure. Um, they're easy to look at um, the petrology and chemistry of because because they are unaltered. What information can you extract from uh, analyzing cumulates? So what, what they can tell us about the magmatic system and the operative uh, conditions of it? So the cumulates from Tenerife that we find mm -hmm. are very special in that we can find them in uh, ignimbrite deposits. So ignimbrite deposits are Uh, pyroclastic flows, so the mm -hmm. big, ex they're from big explosive eruptions. And my project looks at cumulates from one specific eruption. So this eruption is well dated. We know exactly that it's been argon, argon dated, so we know when this eruption occurred. Um, so we get a snapshot of what the reservoir was at that exact time. So As, as we know so far, nobody's done this yet. Um, cumulates from other systems are not so well time-defined. So we can define exactly what time period these rocks came from, which is unique. But the key thing is the chemistry of the system mm -hmm. right before this big explosive eruption, which is key. Because this specific eruption is called the Fasnia eruption. It's actually a sequence of um, full deposits and ignimbrite. So it's a multi-phase event and the cumulates from this, this phase was associated with the final caldera collapse event. So the final big explosion of this, this system. Um, and what we want to find out is how these parts of the 
magma system got included in these eruptive deposits. And the other really interesting thing is that they contain fresh melt from the system at that specific time period. So our cumulates we can associate as crystal mush because they contain both crystals and melt. So we are in a really unique position to measure both crystal chemistry and melt chemistry at a specific time period. Oh, that's very impressive. It's something that everyone would enjoy to study. It's well. the yeah. dream, really. <laughs> uh, yeah. And also the place. Also, also Tenerife is a very complex and interesting uh, island to study. Uh, I went to La Palma and not in Tenerife, unfortunately, but should be amazing. So why are you studying uh, Tenerife between the Canary Islands? What, what makes Tenerife that interesting? I mean, Tenerife is a, a fascinating island in terms of its geology and its volcanic history. Um, La Palma, as you said, you've been to is the youngest of the Canary Islands. Mm -hmm. uh, Tenerife is a bit older. Um, it's, estimated, it's estimated that volcanism, volcanism started about 20 million years ago in Tenerife. Um, So just a quick overview of its history. It started off as a shield volcano mm -hmm. and then uh, merged, three shield volcanoes merged together uh, and then a large stratovolcano built on top of these shields. And the um, volcano edifices on Tenerife is now is much taller than any of the other Canary Islands. So... Currently, Pico Viejo Pico Tede mm -hmm. stands at 3.7 kilometers above sea level. So from the, from the top of the ridges, you can see the other islands. They're just, they're much smaller than Tenerife. So the actual volcanic structure of this island is huge compared to the other islands in the chain. What was the last eruption on the island? Uh, the last eruption was 1909. It's pretty recent. Uh, relatively, yeah. Um, obviously, that was a lava flow from Pico Viejo, uh -huh. I think, from the top of my head. Um, but it has a cyclicity of about 100 years, 110 years. Okay. So, and um, actually... With, with, which kind of, uh, of volcanism we have in Canary Islands? So we, we have a mantle plume there, no? Yes, uh, it is fed by a uh, mantle plume. Um, the volcanism on Tenerife is actually really interesting. So in its history, it has both lava flows, so effusive volcanism, and it also has explosive volcanism. So you have a this bimodal volcanism um, that is occurring and a whole range of compositions so geochemically because i'm a geochemist tenerife lies in the alkali system so you have base and everything from basinite compositions all the way through to phonolites so that's another interesting feature of this yeah. system uh, i mean it's extraordinarily complex volcanologically, <laughs> but that makes it so interesting. Yeah. This question might be very stupid. So, uh, 
mantle plume volcanism are supposed to to shift the volcanism mm -hmm. in time. Is Tenerife supposed to be still active? Ooh, so, so you're thinking of the traditional um, Hawaiian emperor yeah. oceanic island yeah. chain where there's clear plate movement yeah. and a clear chain of age-progressive volcanic islands. Mm -hmm. uh, so no, it's not a stupid question. Um, in the Canary Island chain, there is an age difference between Fuerteventura and La Palma, mm -hmm. but it's obviously not a typical long string of volcanoes as the Atlantic plate is moving. So there is still debate on if there is actually a plume at um, a mantle plume at the Canary Islands, but there is a lot of data to suggest there is. Um, it's just different from the traditional Hawaiian plume. So one school of thought is almost similar to you can a similar analogy would be the Galapagos okay. um, to the Canary Islands. It's a lower buoyancy flux plume and a few of my colleagues have looked at cumulus from the Galapagos and um, yeah it's just not as high melt flux to the volcano and the the mantle plume is not as high flux as in the Canary Islands so uh, like Kilauea mm -hmm. is the most active volcano in the world it's got quite a lot of it's got a high magma supply and the Canary Islands not so much it's a very nice topic. I would like to continue chat with you for hours. Yeah, <laughs> you can ask me as many questions as yeah. you'd like, because I should I should know all this stuff by now. <laughs> That's the last question that is not good. This is like a PhD um, defense practice for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the last question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a question that potentially you're not gonna get at your PhD defense. So. Okay. What impressed you the most when you were at uh, Tenerife? What is the most beautiful thing you remember on your, of your field in Tenerife? Personally, it's the Caldera Wall uh, on Tenerife. It's spectacular. Um, I'd say if you ever get the chance to go, make sure you go up to the top um, of the Caldera and see the, see the views from Mount Tejo. I'm packing now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, thank you again for joining us today. Thank uh, you for a wonderful interview. It's been a pleasure. Thank you also for to all of you for listening. And see you next week.